the progress of the public bath movement in the united states by dr william paul gerard this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. The Secretary of the General Committee for the International Conference on Public and School Baths has honored me with the request to prepare an address on the progress of the public bath movement in the United States. In the brief time allotted to each paper, it will be almost a physical impossibility to give a complete statement as to the origin and conception, the progress, and the present status of the public bath question in the united states i shall nevertheless attempt to present a concisely drawn picture first let me state that the american association for promoting hygiene in public baths organized may fifteenth nineteen twelve appointed me as a delegate to this conference and i have the honor to bring you today the greetings of that association the assurance of their warm interest in the present deliberations of this conference and the best wishes for the success of the conference and exhibition history of the rain bath prior to the year eighteen eighty nine there were practically no so-called peoples or rain baths in any of the cities of the united states those cities which had a river front had established a number of floating baths and a few other cities on or near the seashore had seaside baths and a few young men's christian associations had shower baths and perhaps a small pool in connection with their gymnasium but notwithstanding the fact that sanitarians had urged for years the necessity in the united states furthering public sanitation by the introduction of cheap baths for the masses nothing at all in this direction had been attempted the credit for having agitated the question and for having in a very unselfish manner devoted a great deal of his time to arguing before medical societies and before municipal boards mayors boards of aldermen and others the advantages of the modern rain bath belongs without question to dr simon baruch independently of him the late hon goodwin brown then the legal member of the state lunacy commission in albany labored incessantly for the passing of a bill in the assembly in favor of the establishment of free public baths as a member of the state lunacy commission he had become acquainted with the advantages of the shower or rain baths in place of the tub baths for the bathing of insane patients and his conclusion that it was also the best form of bath for the masses was sound and borne out by experience abroad he finally succeeded in securing the passage of an act which made the establishment of people's baths by the cities permissive dr baruch after a visit to europe during which he observed the tremendous benefits derived from such cheap free public baths urged in various addresses the adoption of the rain bath system and advised societies such as the association for improving the condition of the poor with regard to the planning of the baths the author who had given the question a thorough study more from the engineering and sanitary point of view after having become intimately acquainted with the technical features of the so-called rain baths and after consultations with dr oscar lassar the late chief champion of the movement for free baths in germany published in successive years a number of essays and addresses recommending these baths for cities for schools for factories and for the army 
he became connected in his capacity of consulting sanitary expert with the planning and erection of many of the public baths in new york city as well as those in the majority of the state hospitals for the state of new york later on after the inspection of a number of public baths in european cities he wrote his treatise on modern baths published in nineteen o eight it was in the year eighteen ninety one that the association for improving the condition of the poor erected and opened its first free bath in center market five years later in eighteen ninety six the city planned and soon after erected its first public free bath at rivington street new york smaller ones having been installed under the author's direction by the baron de hirschfund trustees the demilt dispensary in new york and other similar associations outside of new york one of the first cities to provide public baths under the new york state act of eighteen ninety five was the city of buffalo the bathhouse being opened january first eighteen ninety nine and in chicago mayor carter harrison was instrumental in the erection of the so-called first carter harrison bath the small town of yonkers was one of the first towns of its size to erect two such baths baths compulsory in new york state in the year eighteen ninety five the hon goodwin brown succeeded in getting the government to sign an act passed by the new york legislature making the establishment of such baths mandatory upon all cities of the first and second class in the state of new york this included the following cities new york brooklyn buffalo rochester syracuse albany troy and utica in baltimore the public bath movement was very successful and resulted in the creation of a public building commissioned in nineteen hundred and soon the erection of several baths donated to the city by mr walters followed in pittsburgh the first public bath was erected in eighteen ninety seven from a donation made by mrs william thaw jr and in philadelphia where the city took no steps to erect public baths a bath and wash house association was incorporated in eighteen ninety five which is now successfully running several baths the city of boston gave early attention to this important municipal question and beginning in the year eighteen ninety six established a number of free public baths other cities followed like st louis cleveland rochester syracuse etc type of bath suitable for people's bath all sanitarians in the united states are unanimous in considering the shower or rain bath the type best adapted for use in people's and in school baths it is hardly necessary at this time for me to enumerate the recognized advantages of the shower or rain bath over the bath tub for i am sure everyone in the audience must be entirely familiar with them it is considered the better way to establish in different crowded city districts of the large cities a number of smaller baths rather than to have one or a few very large and elaborately designed structures the most common size of bathhouse is a building on a double lot that is fifty by one hundred feet in size and the building usually has a first floor with two entrances one for men and the other for women and a second floor which extends over only part of the building and which provides for additional showers for men or boys used only on days when the baths are overcrowded there is always a basement which contains the heating equipment for the water the plumbing the heating boiler for the building 
and sometimes a laundry where the towels are washed on the spot. Another type of building, a smaller one, has been designed for the standard New York City lot, namely 25 by 100 feet, and the average cost of the two kinds of buildings at present market prices varies from 43000 to $78,000, not including the cost of the land. Question of charging. In many cases, soap and towels are furnished free. In the vats of some cities, a small charge is made for these, so as to provide a revenue which helps to pay the cost of the maintenance of the baths. The yearly cost of maintenance varies from 13000 to $20,000. Statistics I've endeavored to gather some up-to-date statistics on free baths and school baths in American cities, and with this in view I prepared a circular addressed to the mayors of cities, stating that I had been requested to present a paper on the progress of the public bath movement, in the United States at this conference, I enclosed a blank, requesting that the questions thereon be filled out as far as possible. The questions on the blank were as follows. Questions for bath statistics. 1. How many people's free baths exist in your city at this date? June 1912. 2. When was the first people's bath house erected? When opened? 3. Give location, size, and cost of each bathhouse. 4. State number of showers in each bathhouse. State number of bathtubs in each bathhouse. 5. Are there separate divisions for men and women, or are the baths used by the sexes on alternate days? 6. How many hours are the bathhouses kept open to the public? 7. How many minutes are bathers permitted to occupy bath compartments? 8. How many, if any, public baths have swimming pools? 9. State average actual daily baths given for men, for women, for children. 10. What annual appropriation is made for the cost of operating the bathhouses? 11. Are towels and soap supplied free? 12. Are any public schoolhouses provided with school baths? If so, are the baths of the shower or bathtub or swimming pool type? 13. Does your city maintain any floating river baths? How many? 14. Do you have any municipal ocean baths, any open-air bathing pools and parks? 15. Does your city come under any state law making the provision for free public baths obligatory? Please send last annual report of the superintendent of baths. This was mailed to 68 cities and towns, not including New York and Brooklyn, for which the bath statistics were on hand. Out of the total of 68 question blanks, I received 38 replies. Some cities which have public baths did not take the trouble to answer my circular, or to fill in the blank schedule. Other cities which have no baths did reply. In many cases, the superintendents of baths took a great deal of trouble to provide me with all the information possible. Some also sent me their printed annual reports, and I take this opportunity to publicly acknowledge my gratitude to everyone who helped in this good cause. The cities to which I sent the letter, but which made no reply, are as follows. Cleveland, Ohio, Kansas City, Missouri, Seattle, Washington, Indianapolis, Indiana, Providence, Rhode Island, Louisville, Kentucky, St. Paul, Minnesota, Denver, Colorado, Portland, Oregon, Atlanta, Georgia, 
New Haven, Connecticut, Memphis, Tennessee, Richmond, Virginia, Patterson, New Jersey, Dayton, Ohio, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Nashville, Tennessee, Hartford, Connecticut, Trenton, New Jersey, San Antonio, Texas, Lynn, Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, Yonkers, New York, Troy, New York, Schenectady, New York, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Springfield, Illinois, Topeka, Kansas, Worcester, Massachusetts. Replies were received from the following cities, stating that they have no free municipal baths. San Francisco, California, Los Angeles, California, Columbus, Georgia, Toledo, Ohio, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Des Moines, Iowa, Savannah, Georgia, San Diego, California, Elmira, New York, Poughkeepsie, New York, Newburgh, New York, Cohoes, New York. Reader's Note. Here there is a page of elaborate statistics provided. End of Reader's Note. Summary of Statistics. I've endeavored to sift and condense the material thus obtained, and I've tabulated the results. I've grouped the cities according to their population, U.S. Census of 1910, into six different groups, and their statistics present a wealth of information for further study and thought by those interested in the public bath movement. The figures of the table show that the cities of New York, Brooklyn, Chicago, Boston, and Baltimore stand forth prominently as having done the largest amount of work in the establishment of bathing facilities for the masses, and I may add here that from information received they do not intend to lay idle, but contemplate further extensions in the near future. That a large city like Philadelphia should make such a poor showing in the number of free public baths may perhaps be explained by the fact that it is, more than any other city, a city of homes, with comparatively few tenement houses, and with a bathtub in nearly every home. The cities of Syracuse and Utica in the state of New York are apparently, according to their reply, exempt from the New York state law of 1905, for having more than 50,000 inhabitants, their boards of health should have been compelled by law to establish some of the year-round free baths. It is a remarkable fact that many manufacturing or industrial cities like Hartford, Trenton, Springfield, Massachusetts, Lowell, Grand Rapids, Fall River, Patterson, Schenectady, Lynn, and a few others have done apparently nothing to provide free or cheap baths for their thousands of working men and women. In some cases, factory baths, installed by the wise foresight of their owners, may have rendered the need of public and school baths less urgent. Four cities having a population of between 300,000 and 500,000 inhabitants have no free baths open the year round, namely San Francisco, Washington, Los Angeles, and Minneapolis. Of cities of the fourth group, from 200,000 to 300,000, only two, namely Jersey City and Rochester, replied, showing that the remaining eight probably have no public bathing facilities whatever. As to the types of buildings erected, it is interesting to note that they are apparently of three kinds. A. Bathhouses with separate entrances for men and women. B. Bathhouses used on alternate days by men and women. And C. Separate buildings for men and women, as for instance in Philadelphia and Cincinnati, the ratio of buildings for men and women being as two to one.
School baths exist at present in comparatively few American cities. In many cases, they are connected with a gymnasium, and the showers are not, strictly speaking, installed to afford cleansing baths. A large number of cities have in recent years opened in the public parks or recreation grounds, so-called open-air pools, which are in some cases swimming pools, in others merely wading pools for children. But all these, as well as river baths and seaside baths, being available during only a few months in the year, cannot be considered efficient substitutes for the tepid rain or douche baths in an enclosed building, heated in winter. Brief description of existing baths in some principal cities. New York. In 1912, there were maintained in the borough of Manhattan 12 free public interior municipal baths, two or more interior municipal baths and park pavilions, several interior baths maintained by private charities, and 11 free floating baths. The borough of Brooklyn maintained seven municipal public baths and four floating baths, also one large municipal seaside bath. Two of the interior baths in Manhattan and one in Brooklyn have swimming pools. There is also one public bath in the borough of Queens and one in the borough of Bronx. Future extensions contemplate adding swimming pools to four of the Manhattan bathhouses. Many of the new schoolhouses of the boroughs of Manhattan and Brooklyn are being fitted up with shower baths and one school in New York has also a swimming pool. Chicago in Chicago, the first movement for free public baths was undertaken by a committee of the Municipal Order League in 1893, and the first public bath was opened in January 1894. At present, the city maintains 17 people's free baths under the control of the health department. Each bathhouse contains, according to size, from 17 to 30 showers and only one bathtub. There is a single entrance to the buildings, and the baths are used by the sexes on alternate days. None of the free interior municipal baths have swimming pools. Towels and soap are supplied free. A large number of schoolhouses are supplied with baths of the shower type. Generally, each school has six showers, but some swimming pools are now being installed. Some of the parks have open-air bathing pools, but the city does not maintain any floating baths. Philadelphia. These so-called public baths are under the supervision of the Public Bath Association of Philadelphia, incorporated in 1895. At the present time, Philadelphia has four such bathhouses, two of which are a combination bath and wash house. The first bathhouse and laundry was opened in 1898. A charge of five cents is made for each shower bath, which includes towel and soap. St. Louis. In October 1902, a city ordinance was passed authorizing the construction of five public interior baths, but in February 1904, this was amended so as to provide for only two. In 1907, the bathhouses were placed in charge of a public recreation committee. At this date, the city has two bathhouses, the first being opened in 1907 and the second in 1910. The baths are free, but a small charge is made for soap and towel. In January 1910, a combination comfort station and bathhouse was opened in the basement of the courthouse, and others have been provided since then. Boston. Before the year 1896, the city had only floating baths and some cheap interior baths. 
in this year a committee was appointed to secure plans for the first interior municipal public bath there are now a number of these in various parts of the city besides several schools which are fitted up with shower baths there are also three large state baths located at revere nantasket and nanhat beach besides several open-air swimming pools in the park baltimore a free public bath commission was instituted by ordinance of the city council in nineteen hundred at the present time the city has four all-the-year-round baths besides four outdoor swimming baths four portable baths and three swimming pools in recreation parks the commission urged the introduction of baths in the public schools and in 1911 the school board included in the building plans for one of the new schools a scheme for pupils baths in some schools the children receive bath tickets for using either the permanent or the portable baths pittsburgh the civic club of allegheny county an association of public-spirited citizens organized in october 1895 and advocated the introduction of rain baths the first public baths were built in 1897 by mrs william thaw jr as a memorial to her husband this bathhouse contains 34 showers the small fee of five cents is charged which includes soap and towel a large building is the soho bathhouse built from funds subscribed by the civic club and the people it contains 60 baths a swimming pool a gymnasium and a public laundry in 1901 henry phipps erected in the adjoining city of allegheny a public bath washhouse and gymnasium this contains 16 baths for men and 11 for women the fee is five cents which includes soap and towel there is also a public washhouse and bath association which erected a building open in 1904 buffalo the city has two public baths the first of which opened in january 1899 was the first bath built under the new york state act of eighteen ninety five the first bath having fourteen bath compartments can accommodate forty two persons an hour and it has besides a large space used for the congregate bathing of the children with six showers the second bathhouse was opened in january nineteen o one albany the first public bath was opened to the public in december nineteen o one and this became so popular that it was considered advisable to construct a second public bathhouse in 1902. In October 1903, still another public bath was ordered, which was opened up to the public in July 1908. On certain days the baths are free. On others, a charge of 10 cents is made. They are open to the public daily and used by men and women alternately. Towels are provided free brookline massachusetts the public bath of the city of brookline is claimed to be with one exception the first municipal open all the year round bathing establishment having both shower baths and a swimming pool up to the year eighteen ninety five the town had no bathing facilities whatever in that year a proposition was presented at a town meeting and the citizens voted in favor of establishing a public bath this was completed and opened to the public in 1896. The building contains 15 shower baths, 3 tub baths, and 6 cleansing showers for the swimming pool, which is 26 by 80 feet, with a depth of water varying from 4 to 7 feet. A fee varying from 5 to 15 cents is charged, 
which includes soap and towel. Newark, New Jersey. The city had three bathhouses with swimming pools in each bath. Owing to the unsanitary condition of the pools, see report made by Mr. Gerhardt in 1910, the use of the pools was discontinued in April 1910. In two of the bathhouses, shower baths were established, but the attendants, probably owing to the bad reputation which the baths got, dropped off to such an extent that it was deemed advisable to close the bathhouses for the present entirely. This action was taken in December 1910. Since then, plans have been prepared for an elaborate people's bathhouse on more sanitary lines. Introduction of Baths in Public Schoolhouses The establishment of baths in the public schools is of more recent date. In this respect, the United States followed to a large extent the lead of Germany, where the first school baths were erected in the university town of Gettingen in 1886. The establishment of baths in the public school buildings must be looked upon as a very important and necessary extension of the bathing facilities of large cities. It is fortunate that leading pedagogues and superintendents of boards of education became at once convinced of the advantages of the plan of providing school baths for the pupils. It seems to be the consensus of opinion in the United States that they are vastly beneficial. My own plea for school baths was made at the meeting in Washington of the American Social Science Association in 1900, and shortly afterwards the cities of Boston, New York, and Brooklyn equipped a number of the public schools with rain baths. At the present time, according to a statement, which was kindly furnished to me by C.B.J. Snyder, architect of the Board of Education of New York City, there are in Manhattan and the Bronx ten schools provided with the baths, and in the borough of Brooklyn, five schools. The hygienic advantages of school baths cannot be too highly or too often urged upon the people. The educating influence which they have is so far reaching as those children who, in the tenements, have no opportunity to take a cleansing bath, are taught in the school the many benefits, not the smallest of which, to my mind, is that the children become imbued with a feeling of greater self-respect and are taught the habit of cleanliness which nearly always remains with them through life. I have given considerable thought to the important question of the ventilation of the classrooms in schools. I am familiar with the modern systems of mechanical ventilation, and yet I hold that, no matter how perfectly a school may be ventilated, the air in the classrooms cannot be kept pure for any length of time unless there is a short but effective air flushing during recess by the opening of the window but I also contend, and this is more to the point, that nothing will help this question of pure air in the classroom more than the establishment and the regular weekly use of the school baths provided for the pupils. In some of the congested tenement districts of our large cities, such baths are indeed an imperative want. Present agitation in favor of swimming pools. My report would not be complete if I were not to mention the present agitation in some of our cities for the addition of swimming basins or pools in the public baths, and likewise the substitution or addition of swimming pools for the showers in some of the schools. This agitation may be explained to a large extent by the fact that there is a growing distrust of the use of the so-called floating or river baths in some cities. The increasing pollution by sewage of the New York Harbor, for instance, 
has rendered it almost impossible to find a suitable location along the river front where such floating baths can be moored and in this year the question was seriously debated by our health authorities whether it would not be better in the interest of public health to close these floating baths entirely in consideration however of the periods of extremely hot weather which visit us every year it was finally decided to keep a few of these baths open to the public ultimately no doubt they will have to be done away with entirely and it would appear perfectly right and proper that swimming pools should be available for the masses particularly for the young people where they can take swimming lessons and indulge in the invigorating and healthful exercise of swimming to my mind however all these should not be mixed up with a vastly more important sanitary question of offering cheap cleansing baths for the masses and there remain some vital objections to swimming pools which i can only briefly touch upon some requisites of modern baths in the first place the water must be heated for all the year-round baths and that means expense in most cases the water has to be filtered and where water is expensive the temptation is great to use it over and over to circulate it so to speak rather than provide as always in my judgment should be done a continuous inflow and outflow of fresh water the question of refiltering and disinfecting the water of swimming pools is now being looked into by some of our scientists and bacteriologists but all this appears to me to be merely a poor substitute for a swimming bath with constantly renewed fresh water then again it should be considered that these baths mean increased expenses because they always require in addition the cleaning showers and the enforcement of a strict regulation permitting nobody to enter a pool before he or she has thoroughly cleansed the unclad body in a rain bath i understand the same question is agitating some of the bath superintendents and health authorities in europe a final solution of the problem has not yet been reached regarding swimming pools and schools which seem to be so popular in england i must say that they are to my mind entirely wrong in principle the very idea of school baths was to inculcate into the pupils the habit of cleanliness and certainly out of one hundred boys who will go into a swimming pool ninety-nine will only think of the exhilarating joy and fun they will have in the pool and the solitary one hundredth may think of getting clean in the swimming pool which he ought not to as it is in the nature of swimming pools that they are not cleansing baths a swimming pool however may be added if the funds permit where there is a gymnasium and the pupils have the advantage of instruction in physical exercise and in swimming future progress when all is said it must be admitted that a good beginning has been made in the united states in the matter of public and school baths but it is only a beginning constant agitation and pioneer work must be kept up to convince communities that inasmuch as cleanliness and health are closely associated the bath in some form is a municipal necessity in the past we have had to fight against the apathy and indifference of municipalities of city councils and of some health boards it was an uphill fight indeed it continues to be so in a paper on the need of the public bath published in modern sanitation for july nineteen twelve it is stated that the united states even today are far behind some of the european countries in the provision by the municipal authorities of bath systems and the author of the paper continues his remarks by saying 
contrast any of our larger communities with cities in great britain or in germany and the showing against us is such as to put us to shame i hope and firmly believe that under the auspices of the newly founded american association for promoting hygiene in public baths our cities large and small will be spurred on to provide better accommodations for bathing in people's bathhouses as well as in the public schools and chiefly those of the lower grades and of the progress of the public bath movement in the united states by dr william paul gerard 